theme for 2024 is restore. And restore is a theme that is all throughout Scripture. The word restore shows up close to 150 times in the Bible. Restoration is a part of God's plan for salvation in the life of the believer. We're going to be reading about a man in the Bible whose his whole life was restored, especially after a tremendous failure that he had. A failure that I want to give him a, in his defense, in some ways, he was not able to shake what was already attributed to him, and that it was prophesied that he would actually go through or experience, all right, denying Christ. It was prophesied about him, and, and I feel for Peter. Somebody say Peter. I feel for Peter because in Peter's life, it's almost as if he had no choice because something was preordained for him to have to carry, for him to have to to. to carry the burden, to shoulder something that Christ said that he had to go through. And so that's why I feel for him. I have some empathy for Peter. But no matter what, Peter had to experience and go through this trial. Seeing Jesus being persecuted, attacked, flogged, beaten, sent into trial, and it was Peter's flesh that caused him in a critical moment to deny Jesus. There's been times in your life, in my life, where we have gone through some situations where, let's face it, it's been very, very hard for us to forgive ourselves for. And if we have been on the other side of persecution, if we have been on the other side of hurt or pain, it's very difficult for us to forgive or to allow relationships to be restored when we've been wrong. It's very easy to hold on to things, grudges, hold on to hurts and pains. Sometimes those hurts and those pains, those grudges become the very thing that, that we're not ready or even want to let go of because it somehow attaches itself to us and it kind of makes us who we are. It kind of gives us that chip on our shoulder. It kind of gives us that, that fuel for the fire to, to have to say, you know what, I'm going to prove everybody. But you know what? We serve such a good God. We serve such an amazing God who makes it possible for you and I to be restored even after our greatest failures. We serve such a tremendous God. Hallelujah. Give God a hand of praise. If we're going to praise God, let's praise God right. We serve such a tremendous God that a lot of what we experience and a lot of the, the work and the heavy lifting that we have to do as people is possible because of what Jesus has already decided he's going to do in our lives. Jesus already decided that he would forgive. Jesus already decided that he was willing since eternity 
He said to Father God, send me. I'll go. I'll make a way. I'll stand in between us and them. And so I love that theologically that God has always been willing. Jesus has always been willing. Sometimes for us as people, we're not always willing. We're not always willing to forgive. We're not always willing to do the hard work. We're not always willing to let God do the healing in us. We're not always willing. But I want you to know that God is willing, and God has already made a way, and we're going to see that in Scripture. Turn with me to John chapter 18, verses 15 through 18. It says this, Simon Peter and and another disciple were following Jesus. And because this disciple was known to the high priest, He went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard, but Peter had to wait outside at the door. And the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You're not one of his disciples, are you? The girl at the door asked Peter. He replied, oh, no, I'm not. That was the first time that he denied Christ. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around a fire, and they had made uh, to keep themselves warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself, looking on. He's seeing everything that was going on with his Lord. First time they asked him, you're not one of them, are you? Peter says, oh, no, I'm not. I don't know if he was prepared for the question, but he kind of just went along with it, not realizing what it really meant. In verse 25 of the same chapter, it says, as Peter stood warming himself, he was asked, You're not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, no, I'm not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? Yeah, you were the one who cut his ear off. Again, Peter denied it, and at that moment, a rooster began to crow. So we see here, so we see here that Peter denies Christ three times at a critical moment. So I want us to, for a moment, I want us to identify with Peter knowing that we're all sinners. Knowing that we all fall short of the glory of God. That none of us are better than any other. Let's get that straight. Sometimes we even have that thought thinking of, you know, other people saying, oh, yeah, they need to hear this sermon. They need to hear this message. Oh, oh, I know somebody like that. Yeah, guess what? That somebody is us. Somebody is us. That somebody is is you and me. That's why God's given us this passage to learn from. And so let, let uh, let me ask us this question. Why does something or someone need to be restored in the first place? Can I ask that question? Why does something need to be restored in the first place? It's because its original significance, its meaning, its purpose, its original state of being is no longer what it used to be. And it is at the point where it needs to be addressed either the thing or the person. The situation needs to be addressed so it can be restored or so the person can be restored. 
back to its former use, back to its former meaning, back to its former purpose. So restoration is significant and it's very important, especially for us as believers as we're considering our theme for this year. When something has lost its original value, it can be restored to regain its value. In some cases, things are, when they're restored, they increase in value. They become a classic. Check that out. So God has a plan in store for us, and that's the plan of restoration. And that's the story of mankind. Because at the original fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden, since then, mankind has always needed to be restored in their proper relationship with God and then with one another. Amen? That's good doctrine. That's good theology. That's called original sin, that we are all flawed, that we all miss the mark, that we all have sin in us. It was imputed into us as human beings that sin would be something that we would have to overcome. So as we look at the saga of Peter and we see how he failed tremendously, but thanks be to God that although Peter being a part of the inner circle of Jesus' disciples, among him were James and John, two brothers, the sons of Zebedee. There's a cool title for them, the sons of thunder. Boanerges in Greek. So it's Peter, James, and John happened to be the part of the inner circle of Jesus' ministry. They, they were the, the three closest disciples to Jesus. Now, I want you to think about that as we were, were reading this scripture about G, uh, Peter's denial of even knowing or having any connections to Christ. Because the fact of the matter is, is not only did he fail, God failed his friends at that moment. It was personal. It was so personal. So personal. Though Jesus is God, he was still a man. Amen? Jesus was still a man. Experienced all kinds of emotions, all kinds of things. Life came at Jesus just like it comes at you and me. That's why we can relate to him. That's why God took on flesh so that we could understand the, the sacrifice of who, what, who Jesus is and what he did so that would bring us to the understanding of God. Hallelujah. So, how does Jesus come to the place of being able to forgive Peter? It's because that's what Jesus came to do. He came to show us how we too can go through a process of restoration or of allowing others to be restored in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Now let's consider John chapter 21. Turn with me to John 21. 
So we can see what's going on in the life of Peter. We can see what he's experiencing and he's going through. Because now he's going to have to deal with shame. He's going to have to deal with guilt. He's going to have to deal with these emotions connected to letting Jesus down. His Lord said, oh, I'll never do that. How many of us have ever said, oh, I'll never do that. And then we go ahead and do it. And then it's hard for us to forgive ourselves because we said we'd never do it. But I want you to know, I want you to know something. Pastor Cobra preached a message probably like 18 years ago. It was entitled, Drop It Like It's Hot. Where that's our responsibility when it comes to carrying the burden of guilt and shame. And that sin problem that we all have and experience, we have to give it to God. We got to give it to Jesus. Amen? Because it doesn't do us any good, nor does it do anybody around us any good. It doesn't do our relationship with God any good either. And here we are in John chapter 21. At this point, Jesus has already been resurrected from the dead, and this will now be the third time that Jesus appears to the disciples in the flesh, in person, since he was resurrected from the dead. John 21. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, which means doubter or double-minded. Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Can we pause there for a moment? Can I give us some context? Jesus had been so severely beaten, so severely injured, that he was unrecognizable. It's not only evident here in John chapter 21, but it's also evident in Luke chapter 24, a completely different gospel account according to the life and the resurrection and passion narrative of the Christ. That they were not able to recognize him. His face had been pulverized. He probably still had tremendous marks and scars from wearing a a crown of thorns that was pushed and, and forced on the top of his head, slicing through and cutting through all the the veins and the flesh on the top of his head. Jesus was punched over and over again to the point where he was not recognizable even after being resurrected. That means the resurrected Christ, the resurrected Jesus, the resurrected Messiah was not miraculously healed in the physical form, in the physical way. Everything didn't just turn back to normal and he looked like, you know, his former self. It means that he he had scars, probably still had swollen eyes, bumps on his face. Because the scripture said that here, they did not recognize him. Nor did the, the men who were on the road to Emmaus recognize him when they were walking with him. That's evidence and proof which validates not only the historical Jesus, but that Jesus is God and the witnesses and those that touched him 
the women's reports that they saw the Christ. Man, they didn't. They would not allow a woman to testify in court back in those days, 2,000 years ago. Did you guys know that? Because women were seen as property, which is all bad. But the fact that the gospel accounts in the first century included the witnesses and the reports of women that they had saw the resurrected Lord Jesus lends itself to the credibility that Jesus was risen from the dead. So here he is now reappearing again to his disciples, and they could barely recognize him. Verse 4, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And then he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And when they did... They were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, which we believe is John, the one who wrote the Gospel of John, okay, he was one of the youngest of the disciples. He writes in third person this whole Gospel account, the whole book of John was written by the beloved disciple in third person account. But then he would refer to himself as the, the beloved disciple. Amen? Praise God. It says, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with some fish on it and some bread. Oh, man. That's our Lord Jesus. He got there, prepared the fire. He's already thinking about what he was going to say to his followers. Jesus already has everything already prepared, thought up, well organized. Jesus always got a plan. Amen. Love that about Jesus. Jesus said to them in verse 10, bring some of the fish that you just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, this account says. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come, have some breakfast. None of his disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that curious? None of his disciples dared to ask him, which, again, causes us to ask the question, why was it hard for them to recognize him? Which is why I say the probability of the fact that he was unrecognizable physically. Amen? Verse 13, Jesus came, he took the bread, he gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Here we are, verse 15, our operative verses of today. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. 
And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. By this time, you guys, Peter was getting a little defensive. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. Jesus said, this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? Watch this, you guys. When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Do you guys think Peter was feeling some kind of way about John? He was the one that instigated the question of who was going to betray Jesus, the Lord. So there was some kind of way that Peter was asking, was feeling about the beloved disciple. Right? It's kind of curious to me because, after all, Jesus was in the process of restoring Peter and Showing him grace and showing him mercy and forgiving him. And Peter then gets distracted from all of that. Kind of reminds me of when he was walking out on the water, when Jesus called Peter out and says, come, come to me. You remember that episode? Remember that story? And Jesus calls Peter out onto the water and he starts walking and he gets distracted. He sees the wind, he sees the rain, he, he sees the waves, you know, and then he starts to sink. But praise God, Peter had the boldness and the faith to step out of the boat in the first place is one thing that I'd like to say. The second thing is that even after everything that Peter had experienced, even failing Christ, he was still there with the disciples. And when he saw his Lord and recognized his Lord finally because of the love that was emanating, that was radiating from Jesus, that's how they were able to recognize who Jesus was. That's how Peter was able to recognize that that was my Lord. Guess what? Peter came close when Jesus called him over. He said, come on over. Oh. How hard is it sometimes for us to face the people that we've failed? How hard is it for us to face the people who have failed us? Well, God has called us into the processes of restoration. And it's not always easy. It requires a whole lot of humility. Requires a whole lot of heavy lifting. Requires a whole lot of taking ownership and responsibility for our shortcomings. But guess what? We can't stay there in the place, wallowing in our own guilt, our own shame, our own feelings, our emotions, discounting ourselves, disqualifying ourselves. We have to allow ourselves to be loved by God. 
We have to allow the love of Jesus to penetrate through all of that stuff, that the front that we put up. We have to allow the love of Jesus to come straight back on into our hearts so we can accept his love, first of all. Somebody say, first of all. And then we can love ourselves. Somebody say, second of all. And once we, we accept his love and we love ourselves, then guess what? We can go ahead and love others. Somebody say, loving others. So the process of restoration is a complete process of coming back to the place of recognizing just about what God thinks of us, of what God thinks of you. Don't get caught up in the the temporal place or the, the situation that we're currently in so that we can't stop seeing the big picture of who God is and we forget about how much he loves us because it's what we think it's your theology it's my theology it's what we understand biblically it's the truths of the bible that will deliver us from the prisons that we've put ourselves in it's the truth of Scripture, and it's the truth of who Jesus is that breaks the shackles of bondage, addiction, depression. And it allows us to see ourselves the way that God sees us. And he doesn't see us the way that we sometimes see ourselves. He sees us through the eyes of Jesus. He sees us through the eyes of his son. He doesn't see us in our sin. He sees us covered by the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus has already dealt with our, our sin. That's how he sees us. And that's what Jesus has done for us. And that's what Jesus did for Peter. Praise God. That's what Jesus did for Peter. It didn't even have to do with whether, whether or not Peter wanted to. Jesus forgiving Peter was about Jesus. It was about who Jesus is, not who Peter was. And that just shows Jesus' consistency, God's consistency. It shows God's faithfulness, that he's always that way, that he always loves us. He always loves you. And when we fail, he doesn't change his mind about you. He doesn't change his mind about me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. He already did it. He didn't have to, but he did. He forgave you of your sin. He forgave me of my, of, of my sin. He's forgiven the world of the sin problem that we all experience and that we all continue in. Praise the Lord. That's the beauty of our faith is that our faith is not contingent upon you or me. It's not contingent upon how good we are. It's not contingent, contingent upon even our own obedience. Oh, yeah, that's the truth. Forgiveness is because of what Jesus did. He was always willing. It reminds me of the leper who couldn't wait for Jesus to come off the sea and step out of the boat. 
He walked onto the shore in Luke chapter 5. And the leper, knowing that he wasn't even supposed to be around people, let alone the Messiah, he got on his knees as Jesus approached, stepped out of the water and onto the shore. And he looked up and he says, oh, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me. And the Bible says Jesus extended his right hand and touched him. And he says, I am willing. In other words, I've always been willing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He will always be willing. He will always be willing. That's our Jesus. He makes it possible. He's the difference maker. Amen? Two men came together on the shore of the Sea of Galilee over breakfast. Breaking bread. Just, just when they had been at odds with one another, or so Peter thought. Jesus had already forgiven him the moment he denied him. What kind of strength is that? What kind of wisdom is that? What kind of, watch this, confidence does it require, does it take for somebody to already be in the state of mind or the state of being to forgive somebody even before they've even wronged you? We don't want to forgive them. But Jesus already forgave us. Scripture reminds us, unless we forgive others, we will not be forgiven. That's a hard truth to swallow, isn't it? But all we got to do, you guys, is believe it by faith and walk in it. And then see the miracles of God start to take place and happen after that because we responded. Because we said yes. Because we accepted his mercy. We accepted his forgiveness just like Peter did. Even though Peter started to get a little distracted and said, hey, what about that joker over there? Jesus says, hey, Peter. Here we go, church. Peter, it's about me and you. Don't worry about them. I got them on their own healing cycle. Their own timeline. But what about them? Don't worry about them. What about you? Stay here. Stay with me. Don't lose the blessing. Don't lose the connection. Stay right here. We're doing good. Come on. Come on. Keep walking out on the water. Come on. Come on, Peter. Come on, Peter. Walk with me, Peter. Walk with me, Peter. Let's come on. Let's let's do this thing again. I got big plans for you, Peter. It's me and you, Peter. Upon this rock will I build my church, Peter. Don't worry about John. Don't worry about baby brother John. He's gonna be okay. Let's stay right here. Come on. Let's keep doing this. We're doing good. We're doing good. I already forgave you. I know I committed people. Do you love me? Do you feel my sheep? Do you love me? Be my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Be my sheep. Peter, stay right here with me. Guys, Jesus is saying, stay right here with me. Don't worry about others. Don't get distracted of what I'm doing with other people's lives. 
Stay right here with me. That's where the blessing is. That's where the that's where the green is. That's where the gold is. That's where the that's where the obedience is. That's where the miracle is. The miracle's right here between me and you. I did it just for you. And I'm gonna do it for him too. Even though you don't want me to. Right here. This is the miracle right here. This is the this is what it's all about. Right here, sister. You and him. Hallelujah. Church, let's stand. I want to ask us today this question. Oh, you want me to finish the text, huh? He said this. Verse 22. Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? <laughs> you must follow me. You, we, you follow me. This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. John talking about himself. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Amen. Praise God. Church, I want to ask us this question today. Are we willing to make the commitment between ourselves and God to do the work with Him. See, you're not alone. To do the work with Him. Focusing on the work in our lives. To stay on a road of restoration. Are we are we willing? You're not doing it alone. I'm not doing it alone. You're never too old to allow Jesus to do a new thing. You're never too far for Jesus to pull you back in close to himself. You're never so down that Jesus can't reach down his hand to pick us up. We're never too far gone where the love of Jesus can find us and bring us back home. Raise your hand if you're willing to allow God to do the work in your life. Don't worry about his life. Don't worry about what he did to you. Don't worry about what she did to you. What, what they're doing to you right now. Don't worry about what... Keep the hand up. Keep it up. Don't worry about what they got going on in court about you. I'm speaking to my brother back east. Don't worry about what they're saying. Don't worry about what they're doing. It's between you and me. Between you and him, church. Between us and him. Hallelujah. God wants to do the work in us. He's got great things in store for us. For you. His son, Jesus.